0: Welcome everybody to Table Talk. This is your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman here with Clint Poppy and Adam Oline. Matthew 24, Jesus speaks about the time of the end. He gives signs of the end and also uh, talks about the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Uh, last time we, we kind of talked about Matthew 24, or talked from Matthew 24. We made the comment and it bears repeating Jesus' promise in Matthew twenty four fourteen, This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I want to repeat for our listeners that this is a promise from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's his good and gracious promise. Don't despair, folks, You know, because when you see all these signs, wars, rumors of wars, nation rising up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes. They're the beginnings of the birth pains. They'll deliver you to tribulation, put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Uh, betrayal for one another, hate one another, false prophets, lawlessness, love of of many will grow cold. It's in that context that Jesus makes this promise. Don't despair. The gospel will be preached. (laughs) I love this because what's the temptation for the Christian church? To despair. We we, we can't trust the Lord to get the gospel preached. Well, Jesus is telling us it'll get done, and then the end will come who's in charge? The point is, who's in charge? The one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, as Jesus himself says in Matthew 28, and he gives the church that commission uh, and the and the apostles to go make disciples of all nations.
1: Not only, not only is it the temptation to despair, but in our despair, God gives us his word of promise. We hear that word of promise, and then in our despair... Again, following that word of promise, we think God needs some help. We want to manipulate things. We want to take matters into our own hands. We don't trust the word of God. We don't trust the promises of God. Uh, many churches had Genesis 15 as uh, a reading recently where, where God gives the promise to Abram in the midst of his despair. He's despairing because he doesn't have a boy baby He's despairing because Eleazar is going to inherit all of his stuff. And God comes to him and says, no, this man's not going to be your heir. Look at the stars in the sky. He gives him that promise again. And what does Abram go out and do? He goes out and gets Hagar because he's going to help things along. Um, I think this is our temptation. And uh, to tie into to our last segment with regard to things going on in the world, we are so... Um we, we lack a trust that God will do what he promises to do, that God's word will do what it promises it will do, that we have to take matters into our own hands. And so we fall into the trap right now, what's big in America, we fall into the trap of trusting in our political party, our political leaders, our political system, and that we're going to use that to bring about some sort of a nirvana or uh heaven on earth kind of a situation we see the problems but rather than trusting that god will address these problems like abram we want to take matters into our own hands is that a is that a fair assessment pastor yeah that that happens all the time and so if you read matthew 28
0: apart from what jesus says here in matthew 24 verse 14 that's where you're going to fall and what do i mean you know Adam think think about let's let's assume Adam's one of the 11 there in Matthew uh, 28 <coughs> where Jesus gives this mandate make disciples of all nations and there's only 11 of you and Adam's one of them I can just imagine what's going through his mind cuz I've heard him talk enough to know what's going what he's going to say what do you think you're going to say Adam
1: <coughs> all the nations Exactly really are you kidding Even me? even Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> Adam would say, can I go to the Congo? That's what Adam would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he no,
0: would No, but, but to be quite serious, if Adam were one of the 11 and you hear Jesus say, make disciples of all nations, and there's only 11 of you there. And if you've, if you've looked at the track record of the 11, remember it's 11 minus 1. One of them betrayed the Lord and then took his own life. So Adam's probably saying, what? I can't do that. I can't get that done. I don't have the resources to do that. Uh, so your point is well taken. And so therefore we then uh, say, well, I got to do more than just baptizing in the triune name and teaching everything as he's commanded. I, I can't trust him in that way. He can't do this with just 11. But they, he also gives a promise in Matthew 28, lo, I'm with you always, which is, which is his way of saying what he says here in Matthew 24, the gospel will be proclaimed because he's doing it through his church, and through his ministers. And we just simply have to trust that despite the results that we see. You know, some plant, you know, some water, you know, but God gives the, what does Paul say? God gives the harvest. Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians, correct. Yeah, never so this is just delicious for me. Uh, Matthew 28, read in light of Matthew 24 here, teaches us that the gospel will be proclaimed even though on a on a human level, it's an impossible task. And, you know, we as pastors, when we think about all the things that we have to do or that we've been given to do and all the demands that are made on our time 24 7, 365, sometimes I'll bet Clint Poppy says, I can't do this. I can't get it done. And you have to go back to Matthew 24. The gospel will be, Jesus will get it done.
1: Trust him. No, what I, what I think is they're hiring at Target. Or Tu I could make benefits. I can make a lot of money chopping it and splitting and selling firewood and not have any of these issues and any of these worries, Uh, those are are my temptations. And as I get older, I imagine the temptation will be it's just time to retire and fade off into obscurity. Those are the despair temptations that I get. And uh, thankfully, God whaps me alongside the head with the two-by-four of his word when I need that. And I've been spending a lot of time in the Psalms And I would just encourage people, Psalm 56, Psalm 57, that section right in there when it appears that all of the enemies are attacking you and coming against you, um, the devil, the world, and your own sinful flesh, uh, God and his word reign supreme. God and his word will sustain you. God and his word will give you reason to celebrate even though the whole world is against you.
0: You know, um, this just came into my head here as we're talking, and it, this is going to be a, a tangent. But since we mentioned Matthew twenty-eight, and we always talk about what's going on in the world and things in the church, I want to bring something up. This is a, this is a whole different topic now. So Uh-oh. just run. Oh,
1: cool! One's going off the cuff.
0: You know uh, what's interesting is. Uh, you, you, go to a, you go to any kind of Protestant funeral, any kind of Protestant wedding, any kind of Protestant service. Now, I'm speaking in general. Who's going to be leading the service? Generally speaking, it's going to be a woman. Now, so the generally speaking, the church has been unfaithful by ordaining women. Now, I'm connecting this with Matthew 28. Just hang on tight. I want to do this. And if we have to go in the second half, I'll do it. But Ma- Paul addresses this issue in First Timothy and in 1 Corinthians 14 about women can't be pastors. Only qualified men can. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting in 1 Corinthians 14, and when Paul addresses this, he says that women can't be pastors because he says the things that I'm writing to you about this particular topic, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 37. The things that I've been writing to you about, namely women are not allowed to be pastors. This is a command of the Lord. He says it's a command of the Lord. Now, this is very interesting. Uh, Command of the Lord, connect that with Matthew 28. Make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. Everything I've commanded you. And notice Jesus doesn't say just some of what I've commanded, but everything I've commanded you. Now, see, what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm trying to connect some dots for people again. I want to give people high pastoral care on how to diagnose what goes on in the church, how it can go well, and how it doesn't go well. We've grown up in a church body, and I love her. She's my mother, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I do. I love her very much as my mother. And we've grown up in this church body and our mother has taught us to make sure we do this. We've got to make sure we carry out what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And part of carrying out the Great Commission, what I'm saying to you folks, if you're picking up what I'm throwing down or smelling what I'm cooking, in order to, in order to fulfill the Great Commission, you cannot ordain women. And if you do, you're not carrying out the Great Commission. Now, I know that that may sound ridiculous, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Paul says this is a command from the Lord. Women are not allowed to be pastors. It's a command from the Lord. And you have to hook that with Matthew 28. So let's, let's just briefly say some more about this, shall we? Uh, is it any wonder
1: then that generally speaking, the church isn't growing? I was, I was just going to ask you that question. Is that a coincidence or a natural consequence that the the most wildly liberal mainline denominations, the first denominations to jump on the women's ordination bandwagon, those are the denominations. They're that hemorrhaging members. They're the worst trouble. They have no money. They have no people. And they don't do evangelism. evangelism.
0: They don't do evangelism at all because they're universalists, essentially. That's another sidebar. But uh, So you think that's a direct connection? I absolutely do. Um, this I think we need to teach this again very carefully to people because especially in the Missouri Senate, I'm going to speak in general to make my point. Generally, people in the Missouri Senate are for women's ordination. I'm talking about the, just the everyday man and woman in the pew. Why is that? Because they don't know the Word of God very well, and they just simply see what they see on a regular basis. And what they see is that the women can be pastors. Okay, and I'm, what I'm trying to say to them: Look, if you want to fulfill the Great Commission faithfully, then you can't ordain women. And so uh, if, when the Missouri Senate, every, every three years, there's, there's a few congregations, and the number gets larger and larger every triennium, where either congregations or circuits
1: send in resolutions to the Synodical Convention to ordain women. How would you respond, Pastor, to someone who would say, you know, I like so much of what's going on in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, but I could never belong to a church body that is so misogynistic and will not ordain women?
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a red herring to say that by, by not ordaining women, we hate women. That's misogyny. We don't hate women. In fact, we teach women, we love them so much that we teach them the truth of God's word. You'll notice Okay, I brought this topic up. Let's let's complete it, shall we? This entire topic. And again, we go back to Genesis. It seems like every time we talk, we go back to Genesis. I <laughs> here's another here's another coolmanism, uh, as you like to say. One of my one of the coolmanisms is is that if you want to know the entire Bible, if you know Genesis one and Genesis two, you basically know the entire scriptures. Namely, to live by faith and love, to be a human being. So let's go back to Genesis again. So Adam is created first because Paul says, you know, uh, that one of the reasons why women can't be pastors is the order of creation. Adam was formed first and then Eve. Why is that important? Here's why. Because Adam is the head. Namely, he has been given authority to take care of, to provide, uh, serve his wife. And secondly, he's head of the church. Now, people are probably saying, oh, come on, Pastor Coleman. There wasn't church in Genesis 1 and 2. Come on. That doesn't happen until get, get over it, folks. You have church from the very beginning in creation. I know that you've never heard that before, but it's time you learn it. See, there's yeah, Luther's Genesis kind of oh, yeah, Oh, re- yeah. Luther knew this. Luther knew this. So was there church in the beginning? Yes, there was. How do I know it? Because God speaks. He preaches. And there are hearers. And when there's hearers of God's word, there's church. That's Adam, and that's Eve. So Adam is head. He's also pastor. I hear the music. I'm going to talk more about this after the break.
1: The stars creak, ashes sleep, it's keeping me awake.